Hey guys, the Bible reading today comes from Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I was thinking about uh, sports. Um, you know that I love... Are they both on? I love my football, but I also uh, like my basketball. I think they're both on, is that right? I'm I'm hearing, yep. Okay. Um, And I was, uh, I'll take you back a few years. It was uh, Sydney Entertainment Centre, what they call the Kingdome for basketball basketball fans, the Sydney uh, Kings versus New New Zealand Breakers. Kings were on the top of the table. We We went with a whole bunch of people. With another win, great victory. And you like victory when you go to sport, right? Anyone go to sport to see your team lose? Not at all, right? You turn up, see the game. But the Sydney shooters were misfiring. Even the captain at that stage, Jason Smith, was having an off day. Another miss and another and another. And the crowd's going, wild, what are you doing? Guys, come on, we should be winning this game. Half time, they were in trouble. Miles behind on the scoreboard. They go to, uh, to the dressing sets. Coach speaks to them. The team regroups. They refocus on what their task is. They came out firing in the second half. It was unbelievable. Defence was much tighter. The shots were now dropping in. Jason Smith was getting his three-pointers. A few minutes after they start, they closed the gap. The the crowd was ecstatic. We cheered on the boys. Sydney had regrouped, refocused, was firing on all cylinders, you might say. Game ended on level points into overtime. Now, if you're at a basketball game, best part, right? You get an overtime and everyone's on edge. Everyone's standing up. Everyone's cheering the whole time. You don't tell anyone to sit down. Everyone's on their feet. You're cheering, and by the end of it, Sydney powered on to a great victory. Friends, it's been a tough year, this COVID year. Let me say, some of you have flourished during the COVID year. Others have really struggled. It's not that you are not shooting three-pointers, but some of you are not even on the court, right? Not that you're not shooting three-pointers. Some of you are not even on the court. You're not praying. You haven't been reading your Bible very much. You haven't been serving. You haven't been gathering with other believers, nor witnessing. Live streaming's been too hard. Can't do it. You're not living for the glory of God. I used to drive a Nissan Pulsar many years ago. And I remember once I was driving it, and uh, the car kept shaking, right? And I didn't know what was wrong, and I know nothing about cars. So, of course, I knew nothing about it. But I thought I'd take it to my mechanic. You got a problem? You can't take it to the mechanic. The guy said to me, he said, mate, your car's running on three cylinders. I went, so that's not good? said, so, no, no, it's a four-cylinder car. You need to, to, to drive on four-cylinder. So whether we are struggling or doing well, beginning of the year, and this is where we are on Vision Launch Sunday, it's good to stop, regroup, refocus, and start firing for God again on all cylinders. I don't want any of us to use the excuse that it's COVID, I'm tired, something else is happening, from giving ourselves fully to the work of the gospel in 2021. That's not to say we won't be stressed and frustrated and all those things. As we sit here with masks on, separated from people, and others are in the hall, and others are at home. 
That's very frustrating. But there's a, a mindset which puts us in tune with God, say, God, use me for your glory this year. And today's a, a chance to look at the uh, first century church uh, in Acts chapter 2, the, the first church, in fact, to see what they were committed to and how this could be an encouragement to us. Firstly, at Noe Baptist, especially if you're new, you haven't been here before, you need to understand that we want to be a Bible-soaked, disciple-making church. In Acts chapter 2, uh, the gospel was preached on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people repent and believe, and uh, they get baptized. No mucking around with God. Jesus is serious. We want to love Him and follow Him. We want to be uh, secure in Him. We get baptized. We join the church. And one of the first things they were hungry for was this, the Word of God. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. See, they didn't come to Christ and say, well, I repent, I'm baptized, see you later now, I'm going away, I'm just going to cruise and get on with my life. No. Tell us about Jesus, they said. The apostles' teaching. They wanted to know about Jesus' life, his death and his resurrection. They wanted to know how they ought to live now. They wanted to know about the kingdom of God. They wanted to know about the second coming of Jesus. They wanted to know how to live for Christ and for his glory. Devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were hungry for the truth. I want to ask you the question, are you hungry for the truth? Do you just flick through your Bible every so often and skim a couple of pages? Or do you read it and, and are devoted to it and are keen to learn what God has to say? We need to be hungry for the truth. And so therefore, this year, we're going to encourage you to come to our services here or watch uh, via live stream. With a Bible with you, with a pen in your hand, print off the outlines and be ready to hear what God is saying to you. Because you need to go out of this place with, in a sense, a word from God. What has God said today? What do I need to change in my life? Where do I need to grow? How do I need to mature? God, what are you saying? God, what are you doing in my life? Hungry for that word. Never satisfied without knowing God's word, letting God speak to you. I remember a woman at our church a number of years ago who uh, wrote a little letter to me. She said, I'd like to say that two and a half years I spent at NBC were the most fulfilling of my life. I give thanks to Christ for his blessings to me during that time, for the pastors, the deacons, and the congregation who were so devoted to his word. That's what I want to hear from people, don't you? That, as she looked around and said, the people are studying the word of God, they're listening to God, they want to hear God's voice. And it changed us. So therefore, join a home group. As well as coming to church, join a home group where you will study the word of God with other people. Let the word speak to you. Go to youth group. Go to, to block Bible studies if you're watching in, in the youth Sunday afternoon. This is a new year. This is a new opportunity. If you weren't coming last year, this is a year to come. New pastors in place, new leaders. We need some more leaders too, by the way. We want you here Sunday afternoon. And then coming over to Sunday night church. Devoted to the Word. Now, I must say, I love having my home group over. They come over on a Wednesday night, look forward to it, clean the house, tidy up everything, have dinner, and then they come over. Sometimes you're tired on the way, and then they come. And you have a cup of tea, you have something to eat, you talk, you share each other's lives together, and you open up the Word of God. It's so good every week. Wouldn't miss it. But also engage in personal reading and study. Have a Bible reading plan. I know the young adults have a Bible reading plan that you follow. I personally follow the Bible in one year with Nikki Gumbel. Now, I talked about that last year. If you don't have a, a plan to use, it's an app you can get. But you get a proverb and a, and a psalm and a mini-sermon. Then you get a New Testament and a mini-sermon passage and an Old Testament and a mini-sermon. I'll tell you, there's a lot of material in there. But I must say, in all my years as a Christian, this has been the most consistent and fruitful for me in reading my Bible and reflecting God's Word. Find something that works for you. Let the Word of God speak to you. 
Why? Paul says to Timothy, from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. That's the first reason you go to the Word, so you will become wise for salvation. You know how to be saved and you're securing God on your way to eternity. But all Scriptures God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. He teaches you, it rebukes you, corrects and trains you. Secondly, a Christ-imitating, loving church. Friends, we don't just want to know the Word of God, because if we know the Word of God and the Spirit of God is in us, it's going to make us loving. Devoted to the fellowship, or the kinonia is the Greek word there. Devoted to each other. And the fact that you are here today says you won't care about each other. You're sitting next to each other. You're willing to come and wear masks. You're willing to go to Bible study. You're willing to serve uh, in ministry, in youth group or, or other ministries. You run Bible study groups. Be devoted to the fellowship. One of the things I enjoy about this church is its multicultural nature. White and black, citizen and foreigner, young and old, Greek and Egyptian, Chinese and Indonesian, a few Brazilians thrown in. We are brothers and sisters in Christ, right? doesn't matter who we are, rich or poor, we belong together. We are the fellowship. We need to love each other. And the word fellowship, kenonia, expresses the mutual commitment of believers to one another, helping one another grow up into Christ. And so when I look at you, I'm thinking, what can I do to help you to grow up into Christ? And uh, I won't see you in your home groups, especially the young adults or the teenagers and so on, and the others. But you can look into each other's life and you think, man, how can I help you become more like Jesus? How can I help you learn uh, how much God loves you more? How can I work in you? That's why you're talking about fellowship. And it's, uh, it shows up in the fact that we study the Bible together, we pray together, we help each other through grief and sadness, we rejoice with each other in good times as well. Jesus said, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Now that's pretty radical, right? As I have loved you. Jesus went all the way to the cross for us and he says, my, my followers, my, my believers, I want you to love like that, sacrificial, costly love for the good of the others. And by this, all men and women will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And God is saying, if you want to make an impact out there, make an impact in here first. There would be a quality of love, a quality of commitment to the fellowship that the outsider comes in and looks in and goes, wow, I want that. I hear what's happening in youth ministry. I want to send my kids there. I hear about this great friendly craft group. I want to come and join it. I hear that they've got something else happening and they want to be a part of it. One person said to me, it's only when I joined a small group and got committed to that group that I finally felt a sense of belonging. And that's why for us here at Nawi Baptist, the larger our church becomes, the smaller it must become. We talk about the larger it becomes, the smaller it must become. Because we must have multiple small groups to assist others. We also run things like uh, prime time and play time and family events and dinners and breakfasts and uh, we provide meals for people and food hampers and we visit people and we pray for people and we, we want to make new people feel welcome. If you're, I've met some new people today and maybe you're new and maybe you're watching on the live stream. We want to connect you up. We want to know you and love you and support you to help you know Jesus better. Get you in a home Bible study group. We were able to do that last year, believe it or not. Even on only live streaming, we're connecting people up into Bible study groups. Even though they've never been to a service here, they're part of our fellowship. Now we can do both. We run camps, we run morning teas and cheap eats and coffee before church, although we used to do most of these things, not yet. We'll come back to it. So people can find love. Thirdly, a Christ-centered worshipping church. 
They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Let's just stick to the breaking of bread. What's the breaking of bread? It's probably a reference that the, as the people got, gathered together in their homes, they would eat a meal, and in the middle of it, they would stop. They would remember Jesus' words. They would break bread. And so Jesus said, this is my body given for you. And then they would take a cup, and they would drink, and they would say, remember the shed blood of Jesus. So the cross of Jesus was central to their worship. It is Christ-centered worship. So we don't come here and just worship something else and uh, talk about some Old Testament idea only or some New Testament or newfangled idea. No, no, no. It's the cross of Christ. For Christ died for sins once for all the righteous, for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. Christ dies for us that we would come to him. And the Apostle Paul put it this way in terms of his passion. He said, I decided to know nothing among you, this is writing to the Corinthian church, except Jesus Christ and him crucified. You might have some other message and some other, another idea. No, 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 I'm preaching Christ crucified in our place for the sins of the world to bring salvation to the lost. That's my focus, Paul says. No matter what it costs me, it's him that I follow. And the exciting thing about this church, they worship. They worship, right? It was formal. Every day they would meet in the temple courts. We gather here. And informally, they break bread in their own homes. Fourthly, a God-dependent, prayerful church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Why do you need to pray? Why do I need to pray more? I must say I've prayed a lot more in the last month. Because someone has said, we exist to do what we cannot do in the natural, but we can do in the power of the Spirit. That's why we pray. We need to do what we cannot do in the natural, in our own strength, but we can do in the power of the Spirit. So we call out to God. You know, during January, we... Trying to, all these new restrictions came in, January the 2nd or 3rd. So annoying, right? Cap of 100. You can't do this, you can't do that. And I'm thinking, how in the world are we going to call these two pastors, right? We need to have a meeting here. We need to get like 100. We had 170 members here this afternoon. People saying, we're out here. And God, how are we going to do? We're going to put some here. We're going to do some online. That's going to be messy. Some people don't have computers. Some do. And some of the oldies won't know what to do with any of the computers. And we just prayed and prayed and called out to God, and God took away the cap. I'm praying that in two weeks, as the Premier suggested, that if the virus situation is controlled, we go to two square metres, and we can potentially double what we have in this auditorium and on site here. Keep praying. We pray for prayers of adoration and confession and thanksgiving and petition. Call out to God for the spread of his kingdom or the growth of his kingdom. We pray for the lost to be saved, the sick to be healed for broken marriages to be restored, for missionaries to be effective. Pray for all those things. You know, Australians, we're pretty confident. You know what happens before COVID? I'll tell you what life was like before COVID. I've got a job. I have money. I have a house. I book my holidays when I, went, when I want. I go. When I want to go to a restaurant, I go. When I want to run my wedding, I run it. When I go out for my 21st, have as many people as I want over to my party. We thought we controlled the world, didn't we? Then COVID hit and we realized we didn't control anything. You can have five people to your wedding. You can have 10 people to your funeral. You can't leave your house. You have to wear a mask. Look at us. Not me, I'm not wearing it. Look at you guys. And all of a sudden you realize that we need to be God dependent, not dependent on ourselves and our affluence and our influence and our strengths and our gifts, but dependent upon God. And prayer does that for us. 
Pray in your prayer meetings, pray in your home groups, pray in your prayer triplets, pray in your personal devotions. Because prayer expresses our God dependency. I love this beautiful quote by Pastor John Piper. He says, one of the reasons we pray is that God acts when we pray. And God can do more in five seconds than we can do in five years. Hold on to that. God can do more in five seconds than we can do in five years. So, oh, how I've learned this over the years. What an amazing thing to bow my head repeatedly and plead with God during sermon preparation or during some counselling crisis or some witnessing conversation or some planning meeting and to have breakthrough after breakthrough which did not come until I prayed. Natural temptation is just to plan and work hard. It said I had to stop and pray. What an important lesson to feel fretful and eager to get to work immediately because I have so much to do. I don't know how I can get it all done but to force myself to be biblical and reasonable and take time to get on my knees to pray before I work and while on my knees to have ideas tumble to my mind for how to handle a problem or shape a message to deal with a crisis or solve a theological problem and so save myself hours and hours of work and the frustration of beating my head against the wall trying to figure out what came in five seconds of illumination. So I don't mean that God spares us hard work. I mean prayer can make your work 5,000 times more fruitful than you can make it alone. It's one of the reasons I, uh, before I come to the office uh, during, during, during the week, is I'll normally go down to a coffee shop at about 8 o'clock, and I'll just get a coffee and I'll get my Bible and uh, read and pray and reflect. I know if I come to my office, I'm going to check the emails, I'm going to see what I have to do, and there's no time for the Word, and there's no time for prayer. So we need to make time for prayer in our lives. It might be 5 o'clock in the morning for you, 5, 5.30 or 6 or 7, whatever it happens to be. Make time for God. Fifthly, a God-glorifying, joyful church. Every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Listen to this. These guys are happy in Christ, right? Glad and sincere hearts. There is joy in them. Right? It's not gloom and negativity. They're enjoying these guys. They love Jesus. They love the fact that they are God's people. They love the fact that God has called them out of the world into his family. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Authentic Christianity leads to an inner joy and excitement. Have you got it in 2021? Do you think, well, if I had a choice between that and that, I'll take Jesus anytime. Give me anything else and I'll take Jesus. John Piper again puts it this way in probably his most famous quote. God is most glorified in me when I am most satisfied in him. Because I want to be so satisfied in Christ, so secure and, and confident and happy in Christ, uh, so that it will overflow into God-glorifying ministry in 2021. And finally, a spirit-empowered, evangelistic and world missions church. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Do you love that? They were rejoicing. Uh, they were studying the Bible. They were praying. They were breaking bread. And God kept adding to them. Three lessons about evangelism today. Number one, the Lord did it. So when we see young people getting converted this year, we're praying, right? You're praying for young teenagers going to come to Jesus. You're going to pray the primary school kids are going to come to Jesus. You're praying young adults are going to come to Jesus. You're praying your mums and dads are going to come to Jesus if they don't know him. Or your friends at work or at university. Pray, they'll come. But realize when they do come, the Lord does it. 
You can witness, you can pray, but the Lord draws them. But he added to their number those who were being saved. This is significant. When God saves someone, he puts them into the church. Some people have said to me, well, listen, I have my Jesus, I have my Bible, and that's all I need. That's nonsense, I say to them. It's not enough to have Jesus and your Bible, because Jesus and your Bible tells you to be part of a church gathering, a church community. You become the body of Christ. You are the family of God. There's no independent, solitary Christianity in the Bible. It's a modern Western phenomenon. So when you come, be part of a family. And learn to love and to serve and, and to receive correction and support and encouragement through them. And the Lord added daily. Wow, wouldn't that be a good thing? You come back next week and say, hey, Ange, you won't believe it. I was praying with my friend and, and Lord just opened up their heart to believe the gospel. And they're coming to church with me. Or they're joining my Bible study group. Or Lachlan says, man, I won't, won't believe these teenagers. Wow, there's a real openness and a hunger for the word of God. They just want to know Jesus. Friends, we need to be praying for these breakthroughs to take place in the lives of all the people we minister to. We can't do it, but God can do it. Breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough. Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses, the apostles were told, in Jerusalem, their local area, in all Judea and Samaria, the wider area, and to the ends of the earth. Friends, we're at the ends of the earth, Australia. And the gospel keeps going out through us. But in the power of the Holy Spirit, I have no capacity to see someone saved. I cannot save anyone. And someone once said to me, said, well, if you can save me, that'd be a great miracle. I said, it'd be more than a miracle because I can't do it. God can do it. And one of the, the things about evangelism is that we need to go beyond here and to the nations. And we are committed as a church to being a world missions mobilizing church, a church that raises up workers to send out, not simply to be pastors in Australia, but to be missionaries across the globe. And we need to be praying for those missionaries right now. People who are back in Australia because they can't go back to, the, to countries. Others who are overseas, maybe in Indonesia or Thailand or Mozambique or Malawi, where COVID is spreading and there's dangerous places for them. That God would protect them and God would use them. Regroup, refocus, refire. Are you ready, church? Are you ready? May God help us to do it, to be a Bible-soaked, disciple-making church, a Christ-imitating, loving church, a Christ-centered, worshiping church, a God-dependent, prayerful church, a God-glorifying, joyful church, and a Spirit-empowered, evangelistic, and world missions church to the glory of God. I'm going to pray, but I'll invite the music team to come up. They're going to sing a beautiful song to us, encourage us to go out in Jesus' name to make a difference for Him. Lord God, I thank you that uh, you have been at work in this church for decades, seeing lives transformed and bringing glory to you. Young people saved, older people saved, people baptized, people stepping out into full-time ministry, people stepping out into just serving with their gifts and abilities locally, people going overseas in the work of the gospel. Thank you, God. We ask that uh, today... And as we lead into a new year of ministry that uh, we would regroup, that you would help us to refocus and refire for you. God, we don't want to run on three cylinders. We want to be uh, fully committed to you, available to be used by you. God, we don't just simply want to go through the motions of coming to church or, or even going to Bible study, but we want to be devoted, God, to you and to your word. We want to be prayerful. We want to love you more and more. 
than ever before. God, we want to just be so filled with your Spirit, so satisfied in you, it will overflow into God-glorifying ministry. Lord, we commit ourselves to you tonight. Please use us. Bring glory to your name. Transform us first as we seek to see the transformation in others. We pray in Jesus' name for his glory. Amen.